That, of course, is the immensely talented uh, Britney Spears. And you might have heard something, uh, I heard about something called the Free Britney Movement or the hashtag Free Britney Movement. We've talked about it a little bit on this program, got a lot of attention. There was a documentary about it. There were activists about it. And ultimately, Britney Spears did win her freedom. And she is now using that freedom to post almost daily nude photographs of herself on Instagram. So we're all winners. But um, in all seriousness, the uh, the issue of Britney Spears has brought to light uh, the issue of conservatorships or guardianships and abuse of conservatorships and guardianships. We spoke about uh, the guardianship of Nichelle Nichols a week or two ago, and it looks like she might be in a similar situation. But believe it or not, we have heard uh, over the course of the last few months about all sorts of people that are in these abusive guardianships that aren't even famous. You can be in a, re- a regular person and not be um, not be a celebrity and still be someone that doesn't get to control your own affairs. Well, somebody who has been working to bring attention to this issue and to uh, give some legal help to people that are similarly affected is Jonathan Martinez. He's the legal director of the Quality Trust for Individuals with Disabilities. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Thank you. Good early morning to you, sir. Uh, so, Jonathan, um, give us the sort of Reader's Digest version of how uh, people end up in uh, these abusive guardianships. How does someone uh, uh, find themselves not in control of their own affairs? Well, the only way a person can enter into a guardianship or a conservatorship is through a court. If a judge decides that you or I can't make some or all decisions in your life, the judge takes the decisions away from you or is supposed to. Almost every state law, including New York, says the judge is only supposed to take away those rights that you truly cannot exercise. And if the judge does that, then the judge can appoint a guardian or a conservator, depending upon the state, to exercise the rights that you truly cannot exercise. That's the only way it works. And if it actually worked that way, if judges only took away the rights people truly couldn't exercise, you'd have no bigger fan of guardianship than me. In fact, there are many guardianships that are just fine and many people who truly need guardianships. The problem is When judges take away more rights than people need to lose or take away rights from people who don't need to lose them, who could exercise them, then you get what I call an overbroad or an undue guardianship where people lose the most basic rights, ones that you and I take for granted, like freedom of speech when you can go places, when you can do things, who you can spend your time with, where you can live, whether you can even get medical care. When that happens, the situation is very ripe for abuse. Uh, So, uh, by the way, just so we have our terminology straight, when we use the term conservatorship and guardianship, are those the same thing or do those mean different things? By and large. I mean, uh, both. it, it often depends upon the state you're in. Some states call 
when a judge takes away rights and gives them to someone else, a guardianship. Some call it a conservatorship. Some even divide it up. If you lose your rights to make decisions about your life, it's a guardianship. If you lose your rights to make decisions about your money, it's a conservatorship. When you hear either guardianship or conservatorship, think about it as a person has lost the rights to make decisions in their life. The guardian or conservator is the one given the power to make those decisions. Now, in the case of Britney Spears, uh, you clearly had someone that appeared to the public anyway to be dealing with some mental health issues, maybe even a full-blown breakdown. She had uh, shaved her head. She had uh, taken to uh, vandalizing cars. Uh, She didn't seem to be completely in control of her faculties and her family and her father specifically stepped in and said, well, she's not able to make decisions for herself. Now, um, how do you how do there might be a lot of people that are similarly situated where they have a temporary issue where they're not able to make decisions for themselves. How do we know when that period of their inability to uh, maintain rational decision making Ends. In the case of Britney Spears, let's say she had a temporary uh, blip. I don't want to refer to a serious mental health episode as a blip, but let's say she had a, a, a temporary episode and then was better a year, two years, three years later. How do we know when she's better? Look, I don't know Britney Spears, and what I can tell you is it's super dangerous for anyone who doesn't know someone to diagnose them. But what we all saw was a person having a really, really rough patch in their life. If you read things like Ronan Farrow's article in The New Yorker, like the things that have been in the documentaries, Britney Spears was having, by all accounts, the worst week of the worst month of the worst year of Mm. her life. She wasn't allowed to see her children. She was being chased by paparazzi. She had had all kinds of things going on in her life. And at the time she hit a paparazzi's car with an umbrella a few times, she had just been denied the opportunity to see her children. So maybe I would have done a lot worse than hit that person with an umbrella. That's not for me to judge. But your question's a really good one. I have another question for you. How do we know that a person, even one that's having a blip or a breakdown, truly can't make decisions Mm. at all, or whether that person just needs some help, whether that person needs some support. Well, well, so I don't don't know. So as a policymaker or as somebody, say a judge who might be tasked with making a determination like that, how, how how does one know that? That is the question that is asked by a group called the National Guardianship Association. The National Guardianship Association is made up of guardians, by guardians, and for guardians. Their website is guardianship.org. So there's nobody more invested in guardianship than the NGA. What they say is before you take away someone's rights, explore other things. For example, if Britney Spears was having a blip, as you call it, and wasn't able to manage her money or wasn't able to manage her health care, maybe before taking away her rights and having her declared incompetent, maybe you explore a power of attorney, temporary, that gives certain powers to another person, an accountant, a manager, an expert, maybe brings in a medical person to review and provide assistance. Maybe she needed different medication. The point is, before we do something that can 
and we can talk about studies in science if you'd like, that can actively hurt people, maybe we explore ways to help them. So that's always my advice. My advice before seeking guardianship or conservatorship is ask a very simple question. And I have put this question to judges across the country. What else have you tried? Mm. What else have you considered? If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Jonathan Martinez. He's the uh, legal director of uh, Quality Trust for Individuals with Disabilities. And, uh, Jonathan, do we – maybe there's no way to know this, but do we have any idea how many people in the country are in a guardianship or conservatorship which might be considered abusive? First, um, a quick clarification. I'm the senior director for law and policy at the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University. I was at one time the legal director of Quality Trust, and it is a fine organization. I'm just not with them anymore. Um, well, let me actually, let me issue a formal retraction. I, no, please, I apologize. Please and hang up uh, on this guy. But, Find out whoever is the uh, the uh, the legal director at uh, at the Quality Trust. Now get that guy on the phone. You instead. know, I know her, and she's a heck of an attorney, and I don't doubt she would do much better than me on this call. <laughs> Uh, uh, my apologies. No, sincerely. not at all. And here's here's my answer to that one, sir. We don't actually know how many people are in guardianship. It's one of the problems is that there's no data. There's no accountability behind guardianship. What we have are estimates based upon random sampling. The National Council on Disability estimates there's 1.7 million people in guardianships across the country. That's adults. Um, and we don't that that's a tripling since 1995 in 1995 just 27 years ago we estimated that there were 500,000 people in guardianship so that means at a time now when we have more ways to make more people more independent before than before just through technology just through programs and supports and services we can make people more independent and empower people more we are tripling the number of people we're taking away rights from so if we start with the number 1.7 million and we guess that 10%, and I think that's a pretty low number, are people who might be able to exercise their rights. If we guess that a half, a mil, half of them can exercise some judgment, and we realize that according to studies, more than 90% of guardianships take away all rights, then that's a very concerning number. That's something that needs to be looked into. So I can't tell you who out there is being abused until and unless I talk to them. But we go by the stats, an awful lot of people have lost an awful lot of rights that they might not have to have lost. What's behind that tripling? Is that a reflection of the the aging population, the uh, graying of baby boomers? Or is that more likely a reflection of the growth of guardianships as a for-profit industry for some people. According to the National Council on Disability, the fastest growing number of the segment of the population going to guardianship, 18 to 24-year-olds with intellectual and developmental disabilities, hmm. which means, by the way, according to them, if you're 18 with an intellectual disability, you're more likely to be in guardianship than 75-year-olds. And here's what wow. I believe is behind that. I call it culture or expectation. People are being told, especially parents of people with disabilities, they're being told this is your only option. Your child is turning 18. You have to get guardianship or conservatorship. One study I was a part of found that the number one referral source for guardianship are teachers and educational professionals. 
So people are being told by people they trust they have no other choice. So imagine 18-year-olds, people who have the greatest capacity to grow and learn, are having, statistically speaking, all of their rights taken away before they even learn what those rights are. That is uh, really sobering. Um, you know, I brought up the issue of uh, the the people that make money from these guardianships. And uh, there was an episode of the TV show Boston Legal that highlighted this. There was a film uh, called I Care A Lot a year or two ago, which, uh, you know, again, it's very fictional. But that highlighted this a little bit. How how big of a problem is that, if at all? It, it, do, are we seeing people uh, pressure courts and other entities for guardianships so that they control can control the estates of certain people. Certainly. And there's a documentary. I mean, I care a lot. It's a very scary movie. It's fiction, though. Sure. There's a documentary called The Guardians about for-profit predatory guardians in Nevada that is chilling. Uh, in New York, where you're from right now, there, there's a, a case going on that's gotten a lot of attention around uh, Peter Max. Uh, I don't know if you know the name Peter. Of Max. course, he's the first pop artist. Uh, exactly, uh, brilliant artist. I, I always tell people if you've seen Yellow Submarine, you know his art. <laughs> That's not his art, but it's completely inspired by him. Now, full transparency, I was tangentially involved in Peter Max's case. I wrote an op-ed that was in the Daily News about Peter Max's case. But if the allegations in that case are true, then every person has to have a shiver down their spine when they think about guardianship. Uh, Mr. Max, it's alleged by his daughter, has been cut off from his family, mm. isn't allowed to see his daughter. And when he was allowed to see his daughter, it was for, with two weeks' notice, with the guardian's permission, marching two feet to six feet behind him. And then when she got to see him only on a park bench, by a guardian who in less than a year and a half, she alleges, billed over $600,000 to his estate. And a property guardian, that it has been alleged, has billed millions of dollars from his estate. Wow. Now, uh, again, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Jonathan Martinez. He is the Senior Director for Law and Policy at Syracuse University's Center for Disability Rights. Thank you, sir. And uh, a real expert on uh, on this stuff, clearly. I did read that uh, op-ed in the Daily News. And in fact, it was uh, that article which uh, sparked my interest in wanting to have you on the program. This is maybe the most important question that uh, I'm going to ask you. If someone finds themselves in an abusive guardianship or if they have a relative that is in an abusive guardianship, whether they're 85 years old or whether they're 19 years old, what can they do? What legal recourse, what, uh, what avenues are available for that person? It's chilling because, as I told you when we began, the only way in to guardianship is through the courts. It's also the only way out. The only thing that you can do is to get out of a guardianship is tell a judge to let you out. I have represented many people uh, or, and been involved in many cases, again, across the country, for people who have gotten out of guardianships. Not all have been abusive, but all have taken away rights that people didn't need to lose. So to anyone out there who's a family member, who is a person, who is struggling, who feels that they have lost rights, who is concerned with what's going on, find someone, raise attention, raise a stink. There are organizations in every state called protection and advocacy systems that exist to advocate for the rights of people with disabilities. Find your state protection and advocacy system. Google it and then call them. If they can't help you, maybe they can refer you to someone who can. Look for that 
person, that advocate that can stand up for you. Because when you lose your rights, you lose your voice. It's like you don't exist because someone else is given the power to do everything in your place. I know of a law professor who calls that civil death. You become an unperson without a voice in your own life. So you need to find that advocate who can fight for you to get your life and your voice back. Mm. Uh, and uh, lastly, because this has gotten a lot of attention over the course of the last year or two, there is uh, a lot of calls for reform of this system, whether we're talking on a national basis or even on a statewide basis. What can be done to make sure that we don't uh, take away people's rights willy-nilly? What sort of reforms would you like to see in place? The one that I would love to see the most is a very simple thing called a Bill of Rights for people in or facing guardianship. And that's something I believe that can be done at the federal level. Guardianship is a state law thing, okay, much like education. But the federal government, much like it does for, for education, can say we are putting a floor. You cannot go below this level of rights and tie it to some kind of funding. And the rights are really simple. And here's how I talk about them. When you go into a guardianship, someone else gets to decide where you live, who you see, what you do, what kind of health care you get. You know what that sounds an awful lot like? Those are the same rights that people who are facing felony charges are at risk of losing. And in fact, Congress didn't start looking at guardianships with Free Britney. Back in 1989, Congress found that the typical ward has fewer rights than the typical convicted felon. So here's what I say. If someone is at risk of losing the same rights that felons lose, shouldn't they at least have the same due process protections that felons get? So I believe every person facing a guardianship petition should have the right to an attorney, just like people facing criminal charges. Every person facing a guardianship should have the right to have a hearing, an open hearing where evidence has to be produced to prove that they can't exercise their rights. Just like every accused felon has the right to a trial. Well, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. I hope you'll come back and we could follow up on uh, some of the uh, some of the other stories regarding abusive guardianships in the news. Uh, Jonathan Martinez, thanks a lot.